What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Nicole Yang. We are on day three of doing a daily podcast about the Celtics free agency. And on day three, on the Wednesday, the Celtics finally made a move. And that move was Brad Stevens continuing to hit control Z on everything Danny Ainge did in the last two years of his tenure. Was Brad Stevens going out and getting old friend and friend of the pod, Ennis Cantor, who will rejoin the team on a one-year deal, obviously, because God forbid the Celtics bring a guy in on a two-year deal, a one-year vet minimum deal, you know, perfectly fine deal if you don't take into account the fact that the Celtics had to trade the pick that became Desmond Bain to get off of Cantor in the first place. However, here we are, Cantor's back. Nicole, what do you make of this? And what do you make of this being the first free agent signing that Brad Stevens made? Something that really amused me was in Sham's like initial report, the last line of his tweet was, Cantor returns to Boston to compete in the Eastern Conference title race. Who told What's you to up, put- man? <laughs> Like, what? Mm, I don't think the Celtics, with or without Cantor, will be competing in the Eastern <laughs> Conference title race. So... Like you alluded to, it's not a great look that they signed Ennis in 2019 on a two-year, $10 million deal, traded him the following offseason in a deal in which they had to offload a first-round pick, and then instead signed Tristan Thompson to a two-year, $18 million deal, and now they've traded Tristan Thompson, and now they've re-signed Ennis Cantor. In a yet-to-be-completed deal. None of that is a great look, obviously. We know what type of player Ennis Cantor is. Brad isn't the coach, so I assume he will get like third string center minutes, probably get some minutes against like Joel Embiid, but he's not going to have a very prominent role. When he does have a role, I'm sure we'll see exactly what we've seen from him before. He can get offensive rebounds, probably miss a couple bunnies, probably make a couple other putbacks, and then just get worked on defense. We know what type of player Ennis Cantor is, but again, like it doesn't really matter because he's going to be gone after one year and he was on a minimum deal. So it's not interfering with the plan that the Celtics have telegraphed so strongly. If anything, I would focus more on the vibes aspect, which is Ennis has been here before. And despite his tendency to like shove himself into the spotlight, Jalen Brown really liked Ennis. Other guys in the locker room really liked Ennis. So I think that overall, it's funny to me that the first free agent Brad signed was Ennis Cantor. At the end of the day, like, I really don't have any problems with this signing. Well, I mean, for one thing, yeah, Jalen Brown did like Ennis Cantor quite a bit. We've talked a bunch about bringing guys in that Tatum likes. Yeah, hey, maybe they should bring somebody in that Jalen Brown likes just as a buddy for him for the locker room. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the other thing to remember about Cantor, and this is going to be hard for fans, I think, because it is really easy to focus on the fact the Celtics gave up Desmond Bain, who looks like a real contributor and somebody the Celtics could have used just to get off of him. In fact, Desmond Bain has looked better than a lot of the prospects that the Celtics actually brought in, which is a tough look. However, if you just kind of look at that as a sunk cost because that's what it is at this point. Desmond Bain is a sunk cost. He's gone. Cantor is absolutely fine on a one-year veteran minimum deal where he is not going to be looked at as the starting center the way he was when he was brought in the first time. And this is a completely different role for Ennis Cantor. He's going to be behind Rob Williams. He's going to be behind Al Horford. Like, yes, like you said, they might just have him go guard Joel Embiid sometimes. He actually did that pretty well in his one year with the Celtics. That was like the one thing, like he wasn't very good, but he did do pretty well against Embiid and I I think that's you know that's worth remembering 
So Cantor isn't really the issue. I mean, like you said, I think honestly, if there is an issue here, because you and I both approve of the Celtics path right now, we've talked about it a bunch the last couple of days. I think if there is an issue, it is the fact that it does feel like this season doesn't really matter. And I wonder how much that's going to trickle down. I've been writing a lot about the Red Sox these days for Boston.com. And one of the things people are talking about with them is they're on this five game slide and management did not go out and get an acquisition at the deadline. They didn't really invest in this first place team. And now people are wondering like, hey, are are players kind of catching that vibe that like, okay, nobody believes in us, including our management. And, you know, maybe they're falling off a little bit. I would be a little worried about that if I'm the Celtics, because clearly this is not a team that's built to win this year. And there are players on this team who have won for this team. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have won a lot on the Celtics. So if that's a concern, like I understand that. I, I think that's a reasonable thing to worry about. Now, the counter to that, of course, is this feels like the one way that the Celtics can get back to contention with those guys. So like the plan still makes a lot of sense to me, but I do understand that specific concern about Ennis Cantor being the only guy the Celtics have brought in since free agency started. I assume there have been reassurances given to Jalen and Jason about their vision and about what they hope to accomplish next season because... Yeah, losing is tough. Like with every team in every sport, they always say winning solves everything. So you never know what losing can like breed, I guess, but they just need to keep all of that in check. And that's not going to be easy. The front office knows that. Brad certainly knows that. He's been through the ups and downs of tough seasons before. He knows, like, you know, he knows what kind of team he's assembling. And like you said, I assume that certain assurances have been made. And, and I assume that Brad has sort of assessed the risk level of doing this. And it's not without risk. We said this yesterday. There, there are real risks here. If this doesn't go well, if Bradley Beal goes somewhere else, yeah, there's a real chance that this could not work out the way the Celtics are hoping. But the plan still makes some sense to me. Jalen and Jason have since improved tremendously and won individual awards like they both were named All-Stars last season. So perhaps if they both are named All-Stars again this season, if Jason gets All-NBA honors, like maybe those individual honors can sort of mitigate whatever lack of team success there is. Yeah, certainly there could be a lot of value in just truly, I mean, I know they were turned loose last year, but truly turning them loose this year, right? Like, just like, look, go experiment, go see what your powers are. Like, why not? Like, you've got a whole season to try to do that kind of thing. And I think that'll be interesting. The one thing I will say about, you know, maybe this team being a little bit better, we don't totally know what Al Horford can do at this stage. Al Horford was super key to that team in 2017-18. Like, honestly, he may have been the best player during that run I know he didn't score the most but like defensively they don't win they probably don't win that Milwaukee series without him they definitely don't win the Philly series without him just he was the the key cog in the offense that made everything run from the top of the post like there are still a lot of those things that Al Horford can do he's not going to be the same defensive presence that he was but he still knows where to be his thing was never elite athleticism like if Al Horford is 90% of that version of Al Horford then we kind of know that this equation to an extent does work like Tatum Jalen Al Horford can really work. So maybe that's one of the things that Brad Stevens is is interested in. Maybe that's one of the reasons why the Celtics feel comfortable making Ennis Cantor their one big free agent signing. Like, I don't know. I don't think the Celtics are going to be good by any means. We, we talked about this last time. Four or five seed is definitely like a cap. But I do think that there there is like a little bit of potential with Horford one way or the other. I think you're right. I think this is going to be a, a tough season and the Celtics are just kind of going to hunker down and, and hope, hope that the long-term contracts that Jalen and Jason are on can weather the storm. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is an opening for offense like you just look at the Celtics roster right now like I don't know who their third option is yeah it's smart I mean maybe Aaron Neesmith 
if he makes sure. some huge developments here, but yeah, it's Marcus smart, which I don't know how the team feels about that. And especially he's in a contract year. Like I'm sure he's happy to log those FGAs, but like, yeah. I don't know. So like there's an opening there regardless if Neesmith or if Romeo is finally healthy, like there is that opening on the wing because Evan Fournier left. So maybe something comes to light there, but I don't know. I don't think Brad really is paying attention to like the construction of this team. Like obviously I think he's aware of their various like positional depth, I guess. Like that's why he signed Ennis Cantor because they could use another big, but I don't think he's really like thinking, oh, this is a good fit versus this isn't good. Like I think he's really just trying to get whoever he can on that one year minimum. Yeah, honestly, I I think that's right. It's a wild thing to say about a guy who is building his first roster that like, you know, like, and you're right, but it's a wild thing to say about a guy building, you know, his first roster that he's like, not really paying that much attention. (laughs) Like, yeah, but I agree. I think the big thing that he's paying attention to is that free agent cap space. And, and I think the other thing to remember about that players do notice cap space, right? Like there was a whole Kyrie thing during the, his year with the Celtics where he was, you know, caught in the hallway saying like, two max free agent slots to Kevin Durant. These guys know about this stuff. Like they pay attention to that. They know where the cap space is going to be. So it's not, it's not like Jalen and Jason are going to be unaware of the vision. Like they can read the tea leaves too, but it's going to be a long season. Cause that is the, that is the one thing that that I think a lot of people forget about rebuilding years or, or reset years or whatever. 82 games is a long time. And if you're just watching the team lose and lose and lose, you know, it's not fun. It's not fun to watch and it's definitely not fun to play. So that's the risk that that Brad is taking. And I think the emergence of an Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Langford could really buoy this team. So I think that would be welcomed. And we should also note Mark Murphy reported that, quote, there are still three or four balls in the air, though nothing major. Not sure what those three or four balls could be. I mean, I guess the Tristan Thompson trade still isn't official, so I assume that's one or maybe two of the balls. But, like, the Celtics do officially have their 15 slots filled. Like B-Rob said on the last episode, though, they can bring 20 into training camp, so they still can acquire more guys. But I largely think this is it. I think you're right. You know, I think the guy that I'm most interested to see if he has a breakout season is Romeo, just because we know, like, there's a lot of things that he can do that he hasn't had a chance to do yet at the NBA level and there's things that he can do at the NBA level that we didn't know he would be able to do such as defend so Brad has talked a lot about his potential as a pick and roll threat he's a really good slasher he can score around the rim really well we have not seen any of that so far in his NBA career and again I was writing a story about him for boston.com today and I was just kind of like listing going through his injuries and I realized I was about like 250 words into the story before I even finished writing all of the various ailments and you know injuries and everything that Romeo has gone through like the start to his NBA career is like has been a catastrophe and it's got to feel really good for him to finally have a chance to kind of slow down and prep. And he talked about that today when he spoke to the media is like, it's like, yeah, I can finally do a lot of this stuff. I can finally have a summer and a summer league and all that. So yeah, I'm curious to see what he does this season. I think he could be, I think he could be a riser. This is a guy who scored over 3000 points in high school and finished as the fourth leading scorer in Indiana high school basketball, like state history. So like, he's very capable. There just have never been shots for him and he's never been healthy to take them. But this is the year if he wants to have more of an offensive role, I think he could really step it up here. Yeah, this is it. Like the crazy thing about Romeo is that after this year, he's eligible for an extension. He's had some rough luck his first few years in the league because he's up for an extension. And I feel like we know nothing about him as an NBA player. So this will be a, this will be a big year for him for sure. And I'm sure he knows that. 
The other thing, the other big news of today that we wanted to get into briefly was Kemba Walker agreed to a buyout with the Thunder, which we knew was likely, and he signed a deal with the New York Knicks. I don't think we know the specifics of his new contract. Whatever it is, I'm sure it's bolstered by the fact that he got a buyout on a deal that still had $74 million on it. I'm happy for him that he gets to go home and play. I mean, he gets to go play with a guy who he you know, specifically said last year that he enjoyed playing with Evan Fournier, that he was fun to play with. So those guys get to keep the friendship going. I don't know. I mean, I don't see him as like a necessarily a game changer for the Knicks. What do you think? I think I saw $8 million per year floated as the number. I wonder if like... Like everything that happened, whether that motivates him in a way, I'm sure it does just because he's a competitor like any other player. I think there is a role for Kemba still in the NBA. I think the issue was within the Celtics, they needed him to be available like every night and play like heavy minutes. And that just is not what he's able to do. And if he's not able to do that, then he's not worth a max contract. So the situation in Boston just wasn't right. But $8 million per year in a more limited capacity, I think is perfect for Kemba Walker. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think I think it's a good situation for him. No question. I do still have a lot of questions about this Knicks team and the amount of money that they've committed to certain guys. And, and I, I know there's a, a school of thought that makes some sense, honestly, that, hey, maybe the Knicks just need to be solid for a couple of years and show everyone, hey, we can be a competent, normal organization. And if they do that, then yeah, I mean, stars will want to play for the Knicks. Of course, stars want to play at Madison Square Garden. Of course, stars want to play basketball games like in, you know, Manhattan. Like that that would be fun. But I think there is like a certain amount of like, yeah, they got to prove that they're a competent organization first. And maybe Kemba helps them do that. I mean, they still have the whole team that was the fourth seed last year. We'll, we'll see if that's fluky or not, but they, they have bolstered that team a little bit. Adding Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, you'd think that would be, I don't know, a successful offseason. I guess the question I have is like, okay, can Julius Randle sort of contribute at the same level after they didn't have like 18 months off? <laughs> right. Like, is Julius Randle a perennial All-NBA second team player? Which he very well could be. Yeah, totally. If he is, then this yeah. is great. Like, I could 100% see this being a great uh, setup. But if he's not, then I think that's when, you know, let, let, let's see what happens. So... As we were discussing this episode, the draft that we wanted to do was guys who were still available to the Celtics. Then as we talked about it, we kind of realized like that doesn't seem like a particularly productive draft because none, none of the guys the Celtics bring in are guys that they're like, ooh, let's take a look at this guy for the long term. Like I, I don't, That doesn't seem to be the case. But we did want to give our good pals over at Shades On a shout out. Shades On Beer Company, of course, is a sponsor of this podcast. They're makers of the delicious Geno Time Stout. You can visit their tasting room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. Please do that. And if you do end up doing that, or if you do see Shades On, if you do get yourself a Geno Time, tweet it at us. We definitely want to hear about you guys supporting our friends, friends supporting friends. We love to see it. We will leave it there. And we will be back again tomorrow to break down whatever happens. You know, maybe the Celtics make another move. Who knows? And one way or the other, we'll talk about that. We'll probably talk a little bit about Summer League and some of the availabilities that we've been having this week. We've heard from Yamadar, heard from Romeo today. Thank you again to everybody who reaches out. We love hearing from you guys. Please feel free to do so. And we will talk to you all again later this week.